Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Good morning to everybody. It has been a great start, Patrick. Great job. I don't know where you are. Where are you? There you are. Great job, man. I mean, that is, uh, you know, one of the things that I love is it gets our heart to a place where it needs to be uh, when we open up God's Word and we're able to kind of navigate this through our own lives. Um, Man, when we have our eyes fixed on the cross, it really changes so much. A lot of our defenses come down. Right. Hopefully you have something that you can take some notes on. I want you to do this every week, even if you're if you you come here like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in church. Well, here's the thing that I really want is um, we we talk about like we're reading the book of Hebrews right now. There's a lot of things and not even necessarily that they're complicated or confusing, though some may be at times. It's we want to not just like be spoon fed from the pulpit. All right. It's the idea of going home and I want you to feed off of these things and not just to blindly go, oh, yeah, because the preacher said it, it must be true. Or the other side, because the preacher said it, it must not be true. Okay, Um, but going and learning and feeding yourself and thinking about it and digesting it and sitting down with other people, because that's part of the community. We sit down with one another and there may be some things that are read in the Bible and you go, that's really, really difficult. Okay. One of the beautiful things that I love about here, about the Clemson Foothills Church, is is that I don't feel like I ever have to come up here and preach because there's some kind of governing board telling me all of the different beliefs I have to share with you for you to believe in them. I just get to preach the Bible, and I love that. I love that because I don't feel like I I have to follow the the kind of the rules of church, so to speak. Okay, but what comes with that though too is is that I expect us to be thoughtful spiritually. Okay, and for us to be in our word. And that may be really intimidating to you. I remember the first um, like Bible study I ever attended. Um, and I remember I was so like overwhelmed because they shared like two verses. And I was like, well, how do you do this? I, like I had no idea about the Bible or what to do. Or I was just completely overwhelmed. And the only thing that I knew to do was I went up to the dude leading it afterwards. And I said, you're going to have to help me. <laughs> You got to help me out, man. I mean, we're going to have to get together. And so if, if don't think that's weird. All right. It, that may be where you are. You, you go, wow. And, and I grew up, I went to church every Sunday and still I was overwhelmed at what I didn't know when the Bible was read. So anyway, um, like I said, take some notes. I'm going to reference some things that we may not read, but I certainly want you to read them later just to, you know, you got to check up on me and make sure I'm, I might just be making it up right? I'm not, but <laughs> I want you to be uh, aware of that too, okay? Um, let's take a minute here. I want, uh, want us to take a minute as we've been doing and, and uh, just us individually uh, where you are praying um, to God. You talk to him. Um, I do believe Jesus speaks to us still. I don't think it has to be audible. I think he speaks to us through his word. I think he speaks to us through other people. I think he speaks to us, okay? 
Except if you're like me, um, the world is really noisy, and we have filled our brains and our ears with lots of noise this week, and some of it's been really good noise. It's not all bad, right? But it can just be kind of like, man, I need to kind of stop for a second and remind myself, please, God, open my ears. Let me hear. And, And we really just praying for courage. I need that. When I'm opening and reading the Bible is I want the courage to obey what is said because my tendency can be to be fearful and to be scared and to be defensive. So take some time to pray right where you are. Um, just praying for God to speak to your heart today. Go ahead and pray. Father, thanks for, uh, for letting us do this each week. And, and uh, sometimes it's easy. We get tempted to think that uh, this is kind of a kind of a drag in our weekend, um, that it's easy to feel like, man, we just have to come or, or we don't want to be here or something like that. And I pray that our hearts are changed, God. I pray that we can communicate that. And I know it's not everybody, but I know we're all tempted at that, God. You know that. Um, even in our best times, we can be tempted uh, to just be selfish. And uh, Father, I pray that you will soften our hearts, Father. Help us to communicate. God, we don't want to just do church the way it's traditionally done. Father, we don't want to reject good things, uh, but at the same time, we want to worship you, really worship you, God, really uh, ingest your word, really leave here to give to other people, change, not just an event we go to each week. And just thank you so much for being patient with us, and thank you for your mercy. We love you. We Please speak to us through your Holy Spirit, God. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Turn over in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. Um, again, there's a lot of deep things in Hebrews. Um, wow, it's good. Um, I know some of you have been reading it through and reading a number of chapters over and over each day. You kind of need to, to just get the feel for this book. It's amazing. Um, really incredible. We're talking about living by faith. We're talking about this all year, right? We're not talking about one we're not, we're, not, we're not talking about one decision of like some crazy leap of faith, although you may need to do that. You may be going, no, there's something I really need to step out in faith on. But we're talking about living by faith, right? Of this is our DNA. This is how we make decisions. And that's what we're talking about is how, how do we learn that? How do our defenses come down so we can be more like that and transformed into that? We want to live by faith, not by sight. And this is a question we posed, I hope you're asking yourself this if you claim to be, follow Jesus. You know, are you making any decisions that are any different than someone who doesn't claim to follow Jesus? Are any of your decisions different? Okay, this isn't, understand what I'm asking you. I'm not saying to make these decisions that are so like high and mighty and self-righteous and all that kind of stuff, but, but it should kind of like be a normal thing if we're following Jesus that our decisions and our DNA and our decisions about um, how we live and work and how we um, interact with our teachers, how we interact with our bosses, how we interact with one another when it comes to forgiveness and gossip and drama. Do we think any different? Do you think any different? That's a question I want you to ask yourself or as you think of your decisions. I think this is just one of those ones. Am I making different decisions or am I just making the same decisions as everyone else except I go to church each week? Okay, we, we want to avoid that, all right? Um, this is, whoa, sorry about that. So um, remember, just really quickly, this is a group of people, this, this, this book that we're reading, there was an actual audience. That's really important to know. This wasn't just like some sermon that was written just randomly. It was written to Christians who had been Jews previously, okay? And they became Christians, and they were discouraged, 
They were immature. They were persecuted. Okay, and we find that out by reading through, through this. The writer alludes to these things. So I think we could all relate to that, right? I think every one of us, whatever, wherever you are, it is, you know what discouragement feels like, right? You know what it just feels like to be worn out and, and, to, and to just feel kind of like hopeless. We, we understand that. And sometimes we avoid, like, we, we don't, we kind of hide our immaturity sometimes because that's the last thing we want people to think we are. Right. So, it, so our life becomes this quest to prove to everybody that we're really mature. And I love that the Bible just kind of peels it away and says, no, we, we've got a lot of growing to do. Yeah. Right? And they were persecuted, okay? I mean, they, they became Christians, and all of a sudden, you know, this particular group um, had some opposition. And so there was this idea that maybe we did the wrong thing. Maybe we should. <laughs> Why did we stop doing what we were doing? Because that was a lot easier than this okay and so that was this group they were discouraged immature uh they were persecuted they came from this background that they understood things that we don't okay this is in our context this is in our background okay and and you're going Keith where on earth is that well he writes about that in Hebrews he writes to people about how they're following angels and there's this kind of like sabbaths and high priests and 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 you want to know what in our world of coming to the Madron Center or going to a Christian church building or something going Angels, Sabbaths, and high priests, what on earth is that all about? It's because that's their, that's their background, okay? And it's really important for us to know how they're hearing this before we understand it for ourselves, right? Because he isn't, unfortunately, the writer here isn't writing it to 21st century Clemson college students or, you know, city uh, folk from Anderson and Clemson and Easley and all these places. It's not. We have to, we have to learn the context and then enter it. Okay, and so this is why we read things that sometimes can be a little bit confusing about these things, about the angels. What on earth is he talking about, right? And uh, there's this, there's a few um, sprinkled into the book of Hebrews. There's these, what, he, what the writer calls exhortations, okay, um, uh, warnings, urgings. In fact, at the end of the book, the writer says, I urge you to hang in there with my urgings. <laughs> I warn you, I exhort you to, to take in these exhortations, okay? Is this is a fairly like challenging book, all right? This really, this really challenges us at our core. It's meant to challenge them and it's meant to challenge us too. So it's okay to be a little uncomfortable. That's perfectly fine, all right? Remember one of the things that is kind of a norm when it comes to following Jesus is get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's probably a good thing, okay, is to let my heart go out there a little bit and kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable, okay? But there's this, this theme, these, uh, there's a couple of warnings that can get missed by reading it. But really, succinctly put, the writer is urging the reader, hey, beware, don't miss out. Well, don't, don't miss out on what? Heaven. Like, don't, don't miss out. Like, make every effort. We read last week, Hebrews 4. Make sure no one misses this. Make sure, make every effort to enter this rest, right? There are these urgings, okay? And I think it's really, really important because I don't know what your relationship is with the Bible, all right? We have to remember that this is the Word of God, that this is a personal thing. And so it's not just these words on the page, but can you imagine what Patrick shared about Jesus, can you imagine the crucified and the risen Jesus coming to you? And how would he talk to you 
Can you imagine the passionate plea that he would have for you? Please don't miss this. Please, this is how far I went. Please do everything in your effort to get there. Okay, not that your effort makes you okay, but you want to know what? It's not okay to sit back and just hope you get zapped one day. It's not okay for you to be Lord and then expect this sacrifice to be yours at the end, okay? But I want you to think about that. How passionately would Jesus be sitting down and talking to you and going, please, please listen to this. All right, please don't miss out. Beware of this. This is a, this is a real thing. All right, and you guys know me. I'm not a fire and brimstone and I'm going to make, you know, do all of these scary things to make you change and conform and all that kind of stuff. That's not me. All right, but here's the deal is, is there are these, these parts of Hebrews that are really sobering, yeah. right? They really are. Like I picture just Jesus inspiring the writer to write these and go, please, I, I, I don't want anyone to miss. Please don't let them miss out. Please tell them in their community to spur one another on. Please remind them of these things because it's so important that in 100 years from now, it won't matter who wins the football games this weekend. It won't matter what jobs you have, and it won't matter the degrees we have. Yeah. In 100 years, really, it's not going to be like hanging with Jesus, like really being with him and going, you know what I wish I would have done down on earth? I, I wish I would have gone and did this other major. I don't think so. I really doubt that'll happen, okay? It's going to be about being with Jesus, and, and there's this kind of unspoken understanding when it comes to Jesus, especially from the writer, is don't forget that you love Jesus. I know that sounds weird, but sometimes it can just become like mechanical, right? And you're just like, okay, well, what do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? Hopefully, none of your relationships are that way. <laughs> Okay, hopefully none of them are that. I hope your marriage or future marriage is not that way, okay? Because we know in relationships, it's just different. But I hope we remember this underlying theme of remember you love Jesus, unless you do. And you want to know what? I would just encourage you to be honest, okay? That's not, uh, listen, I'm not saying, oh, okay, we just do what you say. I'm saying, I don't know what you're thinking. But if you're following Jesus, I think we need to be reminded that, wow, Jesus is better than anything. He's the greatest. There's nobody else I want to follow. In fact, when I read his word, he's right and I'm wrong, okay? Because I trust him more than I trust me, right? And I love him more. And I know if there's somebody who's willing to die on a cross for me before I ever made any inclination towards him, then you want to know what? I know he loves me and he's not going to lead me astray, all right? That's the underlying. We've got to remember these things and remember this theme is beware as we're reading this, don't miss out. Don't miss out, right? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to do, unfortunately, a little bit what we did. I tricked you last week. We're going to start in chapter 4 in verse 14, okay? We're going to start just above it, and that's okay. It's not against the rules. We're going to read again. We're going to read about uh, some things, and you go, that's just weird. That's okay. Hang in there, okay? Hang in there. Verse 14 of chapter 4, Hebrews 4. Uh, therefore, uh, actually, let me give you a little thing just above that. I'll just keep going back to Genesis. <laughs> but if you go back a little further and a little further, um, the writer reminds him, listen, there's a time you're going to have to give an account of how you lived. Okay, there's going to be that account, okay? Now, here's what I don't want you to do to freak you out here, okay? The beautiful thing, the amazing thing, the unbelievable thing 
is when you follow Jesus, when you're in him, when you've been washed of your sin, you want to know what that account is going to look like? It's really cool. Is God is going to be like, there's Jesus. Like, that's awesome. Wouldn't that be incredible? Because you're like, oh gosh, what's he going to say? All the things, all the decisions. He's going, man, you're perfect. I have nothing, no judgment. Come on in, okay? That's what's so unbelievable about this. They said, listen, you can still choose to live a life where, man, here's the word of God. It's real. It's active. It's living. Follow it because that's the kind of account we want. But listen, without Jesus, there is going to be an account. Okay. And then he says this, he says in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is able, uh, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Listen, if there's anything you want to go back to and just be really encouraged by a verse, this is it right here, okay? This is like, hey, listen, yeah, fear me because I'm awesome. It, you know, it can be Jesus' words, but he's like, but I want you to come near, all right? I want you to be really, really close, and it's okay to be really, really close, okay? And then chapter 5, it says, For every high priest taken from men is appointed in service to God for the people. He offers both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he's also subject to weakness. Because of this, he must make a sin offering for himself as well as for the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. In the same way, the Messiah didn't exalt himself to become a high priest. But the one who said to him, you are my son, today I become your father. Also said in another passage, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, Jesus offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Though he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And right there, you're going, who is Melchizedek? Like, what is this all about, right? And listen, I'm a, that's a great study to do. Dig in, baby, okay? It is fascinating. We'll probably talk more about it Wednesday, okay? Um, but uh, here, it's really interesting because um, there's this word, right? High priest. We don't have that. Well, we kind of don't have that. We don't have that with people. Okay, we don't have that here. There's a whole thing you can do learning about who is the high priest and what did the high priest mean to them? And why was he so important? Let's put it this way. The high priest was probably the dude everyone liked most in the community. Okay, you know why he was all about this. He was all about forgiveness. He was all about, listen, I'm going to go up. I'm the one guy that gets to go into where God is in the tabernacle and 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 like get the forgiveness of sins. I'm the guy that gets to offer the sacrifice. I'm the guy that gets to go between you and, and God for the forgiveness of your sins. All right, that's heavy duty right there, man. Okay, that's really, really crazy. Could you imagine if there was one of us, just if there was somebody here that, that you knew that was the person who would offer a sacrifice so you would be forgiven for your sins, that you knew that they were gonna go in and they got to meet God on your behalf. 
okay? Think about that if that was somebody here, okay? You know, you got to think about it. If it. Let's say it was Pat, okay? Pat did communion, okay? And, and you knew, would you relate differently to Pat? <laughs> think about it. Would you think any differently about Patrick? Right? <laughs> you go, hold on a minute. You're going to be doing what? For who? When? <laughs> you know, don't forget that sacrifice. Don't forget to do that for me. I need some forgiveness. Because the community was like, listen, we need our sins cleansed. We've got to do it, okay? And remember the cool thing about God being the greatest teacher in the whole wide world? And we learned last week that God used these actual people and events to teach these major lessons, right? And he's using the high priest and he used the office of high priest to teach this amazing lesson for thousand years plus, okay? And that, that lesson was, we need somebody to go in between us and God and, and we need help. We need an intercessor. We need an intermediary. We need somebody to go in because if we go in there, he's going to kill us because of our sin. Somebody else has to go in there, okay? So that's a dude, if we had that guy, we would love him. We would take good care of him probably. We would make sure, listen, don't get into an argument with him, <laughs> all right, if he goes in a bad mood, okay? But here's the cool thing. It says that that high priest, um, it's really interesting here up here in verse, um, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says he's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray because he's subject to weakness. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great that the high priest would go, man, I can, I can deal gently because I understand. Like, I'm a person too. Like, I get that, right? He says he can deal gently uh, because he has to offer sacrifice for himself, okay? And how much greater then, you know, because we read about Jesus down here, and, and we'll read about him a little bit later, of Jesus being able to sympathize as a high priest. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? I don't know what you think of when you think of Jesus, but oftentimes people have this view of Jesus like he's kind of happy if he catches you doing something. Like he's, he's not really, really that, it's really one of two things. Either you just are totally condemned, right, and you just think that he revels in catching you doing the wrong thing, or you're totally apathetic and you're like, nah, he doesn't even care. I'm just living my own life. That old man's asleep. Okay, it's, it's like one of those two things, but isn't it interesting that he would be so engaged with who we are on the deepest level that he could go, you know what, I am going to offer not sacrifices, but himself. And I'm going to go in between you guys because I can sympathize with you. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that great to know about this? And so you have this high priest, he's about forgiveness, okay? They knew they had sin. Oh boy, did they know it, all right? And it gets talked about over and over again. Here's the problem for us today, okay? Um, this, I want you to think about this, okay? Um, I don't know if you like the word sin or not. I don't care what you call it. I don't think it matters what you call it, unless you call it like something, I mean, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Is I don't care what you... But here's the deal is, is, is we're getting dangerously close. And even, I'm not kidding you, the, some of the softest hearts I know, we are, we are making extreme decisions away from ever acknowledging or talking about sin. Okay. And I think part of the reason is there's probably, there are some good reasons. I think part of it is, is I, I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but as kind of the years go on, we become more and more ignorant of Jesus. 
of who he is, right? Of this high priest, of this, of this God who's going, please come in here. Please, I want you with me. Like, I'm urging you. I want, I want to be with you. Like, I love you. We're, we're losing that. We're becoming more and more biblically illiterate, all right? And so, in, in essence, we become kind of reactive to society. And I think sometimes in, a, in good ways, okay, is we kind of have this, right? This cycle of insecurity and anxiety and shame, right? These are real things, and it's good that we're talking about these more, right? I think it's good that we, like, dig in. I think that's one of the good things that, that overall, just in Christianity over the last five or ten years, we've talked more about kind of like the mental health world, and we've talked about, like, these real things, except what can happen sometimes is that this becomes all we talk about. And then the goal, our entire goal, is how to become secure, how to be with no shame, how to have no anxiety. And the goal of following Jesus isn't to not have these things. The goal of following Jesus is freedom. The goal of following Jesus is him. Okay, that's, that's very important to keep in mind because you may be following Jesus for some other reason. Like, I'm following Jesus because, no, 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 we follow him because of him, because of who he is, because of how incredible he is, because we want more of him. Like, that's why heaven's going to be great one day, because he's there. Not because it's like, oh, you know how cool it's going to be kicking back and playing whatever game you want to play and, you know, just leisure and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if heaven's going to be that way. Yeah. All right. It's going to be beyond imagination, beyond wonderful, beyond... We can't even speak the words, except there's only one reason it's going to be that way, because we're going to be with Jesus. That's it, okay? And so, boy, it's kind of tough to think, I really want to go to a place that the only one who will matter is Jesus, and I don't even know him that well. I don't know if I want to spend eternity with him. I just don't want to go to hell, maybe, right? And that's, hey, if you're little, if you're immature, that's a good starting place, but you can't stay there, okay? But we have this, and you want to know what, again, it's, we talk a lot about this, and you want to know what, there's so many great things that you can, you can watch great lectures about all of these things, but again, the world is saying you can find these answers in you, right? Is This is the goal, do everything you can to be secure, do everything you can, okay? And we stop talking about this word right? The root of all of those things, <laughs> okay? It's like if you have a yard and you pull weeds, right? If you just like, I like what I do, my grass is all weeds, okay? I just like that it's green, okay? I want them all the same height. I don't want them pulled out by the roots. I'm just like weed eater, mower. It looks like grass from a distance, okay? That's okay with me, all right? But here's the deal is things don't, aren't gone from your yard until that root comes out. And here's the unfortunate thing that I feel like our generation is going to face in the decades to come is a lot of regret because we're going to go, you know what? We tried and tried and tried and became more and more frustrated because there were less and less answers for insecurity and anxiety and shame. And we watched every YouTube video you could watch and we read every book you could watch. And I'm still just as insecure, anxious and shameful. And we're going to look back and go, oh, man, what did we do wrong? OK, it's because there's this root that you can cut off some of it and it grows right back up. And you cut it off and it grows right back up. But here's the deal, this is where Satan messes with us. He's gotten to stop, talk, to stop talking about this because it's judgmental, yeah. right? Because it doesn't make me feel good about myself, okay? Let me tell you, 
I worked in, in sports medicine for a number of years, and when somebody would get injured, I guarantee you for the first week I worked with you, it didn't feel good. Okay, when you were injured, it did not feel good. Right? But you were getting better. Right? That's really important to keep in mind is the fact that we don't feel good about something doesn't make it completely like we should avoid it at all costs. All right? There's truth that you need from your doctors, right? Would you love your primary care doctor if they knew you had cancer or they knew you had some kind of debilitating disease and they said, I don't want to tell them. It would just upset them right now. Like, they'll figure it out sometime. When you found out, wouldn't you be so upset? Wouldn't you be so uh, betrayed? You mean you knew and you didn't tell me? You knew this bad news that I could have been helped, but you didn't want to tell me about it, okay? That's the state of, of Christianity in many ways today, okay? And where we have to go is we've got to be mindful because you know what's sad is there's real reasons why we talk about the other things and why we've veered away from talking about sin is because in a lot of ways people have been manipulated when we talk about sin emotionally manipulated right people have been unduly you know judged that has happened you know these things these bad things have happened people people who claim to be christians have behaved in a way or they've treated people in a way that you're like i don't want to ever treat people that way yeah. i never want to treat people that way and what we end up doing is we become followers of jesus okay trying to figure out what we don't want to be. Man, I don't want to be like that guy that talks about sin this way. Okay, don't be like that guy. Be like Jesus, who, who talked about sin, who, was, who could bring you in. And hey, let's have a discussion about what these things really are, right? I mean, let's look at this, because these are tough. And this is just, I took a little smattering through, you know, you can, take, you can write down 2 Timothy 3, Romans 1. I just took a little smattering. What are we talking about here? Because I do think that we've stopped using the word for so long. Sometimes we don't even know what on earth is it, okay? I mean, lovers of themselves, okay? Just loving me. It's all about me. I'm a, listen, if you don't love me, I don't care about you because the world revolves around me and I want convenience at all costs and I don't care if it inconveniences you because it's about me, all right? The addiction of me. You don't know what? Every single one of us, you may be going, I don't have to write that one down. Believe me, the roots are in there. We are tempted every minute of every day. Every, believe me, every minute of every day. Stop and think about it. We're tempted. You better be about you and take care of you because no one else will. Right? Wow. That takes a lot of faith to not do that, huh? Isn't that amazing? Living by It takes a lot of faith to go, you want to know what? I, Jesus, I am following you. You take care of me. I'll trust you to do that, okay? But this is sin. Lovers of themselves. Can you, ungrateful. Boy, we've talked about that a lot. Right? Where we acknowledge, we're like, gratitude is great. And I love, I love being grateful and expressing that and talking to people and giving notes of gratitude and just living in a, grat in a grateful way. But, you know, did you know that this is just sin, being ungrateful? Slanders. You know, this is one of those ones. Who, who talks about this anymore? But I want you to think of the times in your mind. This is one of those embarrassing things for me. In my mind, I think of how many times have I called people names? that Jesus would never call them, okay? Because here's the part of talking about things and relating to one another, okay? In this, like, supercharged world that we live in of opinion and who's right and who's wrong and right wing and left wing and who this and how we should do all this to our politicians, and we get so angry and so upset that you know what we've forgotten to do? We've stopped treating people with dignity just as people, okay? I think Christians should do that better than anyone, 
all right, is that there should be just a level of dignity. Even if I completely disagree with you, that doesn't give me the right to be rude to you. In fact, Jesus has given me every reason not to be rude to you, all right? And so I think that's one of the things we have to remember here. Um, So when we're slandering, you know, you ever thought, or even said it to somebody just offhanded, that dude's a, that girl's a, she's a, you know, and you said something, you're like, I would never say it to their face, but even if I did, God would never say that to them. That's slander, okay? That's telling people that. Let me tell you how bad this person is. Let me tell you what they did, okay? Without self-control. Say, man, that's not just something to kind of work on. That's just sin. We've got to call it what it is. It's sin, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Quarrelsome. Sometimes you just like a good fight, man. You love a good argument. And you know how to get it. You know how to push the buttons. You gossip, maybe. You're full of deceit. You just stop telling the truth. Sexually immoral. This is one right here that uh, I'm sure... All of us, we, you know, we always have to remember because it's easy to pick on the young kids with this one. Don't be disobedient to your parents. Like the Bible says, hey, man, this is, this is sin, okay? And it's easy to pick on the little kids, but I don't think there's like this caveat of just little kids. All right, again, this is a dignity issue. This isn't let me follow you blindly to wherever, but this idea of how we treat one another. Sin is so encompassed in that. So why do we bring this up? I want there to be like a starting context of this, okay? Because uh, here in Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes this, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So whatever is your earthly nature, put it to death. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming now. Stop and think about that for a second, okay? But Keith, just a second ago, you were telling me how Jesus was like urging me and he can't wait for you to be close and I love you so much and don't be scared except for my wrath that's going to come. All right? And you go, what? Pump the brakes for a second. All right? How on earth? What? You've got to be kidding me, okay? Because wrath, you know, we don't even use that. We don't even, wrath is, I mean, how many times do you use this? You're going to feel my wrath. I mean, we don't even use that word anymore just because it's so like extreme. But he said, you want to know what? The wrath of God is coming on these things. And I think there's a little calibration that I need to make, and I think we all need to make it, this calibration that sin's really not that bad. Not that bad. In fact, I want to focus more on how much God loves me. Okay? Believe me, the, the, the function of his love, one of the functions of his love is saying sin will hurt you and the people around you. So I got to be real with you about that. All right, that's a huge function of his love. But sometimes it comes across, you going, you mean, you mean sin infuriates you. Like that may need to be recalibrated in our minds and our hearts. Like it's not just like, hey, let me share something and I'm going to work on it. It's I'm engaging in something that God is infuriated by. That he was so infuriated by it. He's like, I've got one chance to save these people and it's going to be my only son. That's all I got left. So maybe there needs to be a calibration where it's been a while since your heart has really been soft towards sin. Because again, going back, well, where are we going with this? Well, their high priest, they had such an understanding of the need for forgiveness our ability to walk in faith is going to be hindered 
if we have no grasp of what sin is, if we don't have a grasp of our need for sin, if we don't have an understanding of how desperate we are, how desperate we are in need of a true high priest who's Jesus, if we don't have that desperation, and some of you may still have it, some of you may have remembered it, where sin would cut your heart. Like it didn't matter. Man, it didn't matter who knew, who you told. It disturbed us that we would engage in something that would hurt God. It disturbed us. And so maybe there's a recalibration or repentance. We're going, golly, I've got to change. This has to stop. I really appreciate what Patrick shared, which is, you know, over time, you can get calloused. Just kind of a hard heart. And... I'll tell you, the starting point is just praying for God to soften it. There's no way that he won't listen to that prayer. (laughs) Please soften it, and and he will, for sure. But that's kind of the start of this journey right here. Um, So we have have to remember that's how important, that's how major this is for us in our society of not wanting to talk about sin. Of any time anybody talks about sin, we talk about judgment, like don't judge me. Okay. Okay, yeah, please don't, all right? But tell me my sin. (laughs) Okay, please, yeah, don't be sinful. Be gentle. (laughs) Be merciful, right? Don't take it personally, but help me get to heaven. I want to be with Jesus, and I need you guys to do it too. I need you to help me, and we need each other to help one another to do that, okay? But if we're not talking about sin, and all it is is being judgmental and making me feel anxious or insecure or shamed or any of those things... Boy, we are going to live like this existence that is going to be absolutely miserable. Okay, because it's kind of like we have this godliness that's just painful and uncomfortable, and I'm still insecure, anxious, right, and shamed. Let's read something here. There's two sections, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, right here. Um, And I want you to listen. I want you to, to, to write this. I want this to be something you really are thoughtful about during the week. And listen to these words, okay? Um, therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 6, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us move on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works or faith in God, teaching about baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits, for it is impossible. Strong word. It is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted good, God's good word and the powers of the coming age, who have fallen away because to their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. For ground that has drunk the rain that has often fallen on it and it produces vegetation useful to those it is cultivated for receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it's worthless and about to be cursed and will be burned at the end. Verse 9, even though we're speaking this way, dear friends, in your case, we're confident of better things connected with salvation. Okay, that's a, I, I'm glad he wrote that. <laughs> I'm really glad he wrote that. But we've got to slow down a minute and read this, okay? Because, again, you read these words, it's impossible to renew to repentance. Those who are once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who became companions of the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word, the powers, if they fall away, to come back to repentance because they're re-crucifying Jesus. Okay. 
Here's the interesting thing is, is we've lived in kind of this age of like ignorance is bliss, so to speak, in contemporary Christianity. Okay, this age of, no, you made a decision, you're going to heaven. Discipleship doesn't matter. How you live doesn't matter. We've kind of lived in that umbrella of like, no, listen, no one can separate you from the love of God. That's true. Somebody can't come and separate you from the love of God. All right. But we've lived in this way of kind of like, I made a decision. Now let me go be Lord and I'll make it to heaven one day. They thought that too. That's something for us to keep in mind. I'm going, hold on a minute. Here's why we're, here's why the contemporary Christian world is having to grapple with it. In the past month, some extremely like distinguished authors and church leaders have come out and said, I'm falling away. People who have preached for decades, you can't. They're saying, no, I am, I did, and I will continue in this. All right? And all of a sudden, the Christian world is going, hold up a minute. This, this guy is now saying, it's not just a thought, he's actually doing it. Like, it's actually going on. Like, this idea of this, uh, of you can just do whatever you want. These guys don't know you can't, and I'm not, and I won't. And that's a hard truth to grapple with, Okay. But I want you to think about this. What we're talking about here, and I know through the years it's been like super, like, um, you know, this this kind of like we've got to walk strangely through the Bible here. Um, But here's what we're really talking about is what Jesus is saying is, is if you want to marry me, I want you to stay faithful to me. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) All right. I mean, seriously. Have this conversation. Okay, so Liz and Michael are, are getting married in a few weeks now, which is exciting, okay? But, but I'd love to have this conversation, maybe in our next pre-marriage counseling. Okay, what if Michael said, listen, um, here's what I want you to know. You'll never leave me. I will indulge in every single benefit that comes from you. And you want to know what? The minute our wedding is over, I'm doing whatever I want. With whoever I want. Okay? Could you imagine... Spouses think about that, <laughs> all right? Future, if you want to get married one day, could you imagine the nightmare that would ensue, okay? And somehow, in the last hundred years of Christianity, that's become a normal thing. Like, we're just like, no, 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 make a decision. Just come here and say this prayer, and it's going to be okay, and it doesn't matter how you live, okay? But the truth is, is, is nobody in the Bible is saying you have to live this perfect life. But you want to know what? There's no perfect spouse either. But you can be faithful, there's a difference, right? There's a callousness when you're unfaithful. There's a callousness because you're going to be imperfect even as you're faithful, but man, we're going to see that there's a different attitude that comes with that. So this is one of those ones you may need to chew on. This may be one of those ones where some of you, you're like, I used to think that way and I don't anymore, right? I'm just kind of like, okay, like, oh no, man, I was baptized when I was 15 years old. It don't even matter now. What I do is Jesus being Lord. Like, that's a strange one to get into where, where we justify ourselves because we think because we do something, mm-hmm. it's what God wants. Mm-hmm. Well, I do it, so it must be that. All right? And we're, we're hinging our hopes on this one decision rather than on actually faithfully following Jesus. He's saying, you got to do it because once you leave me, you're not going to repent. And that's a scary, scary place to be. So he ends up talking more about this high priest. Okay, so can you imagine them going, oh, thank God, high priest, this is great because we really need these things, okay? And then in Hebrews chapter 10, 
the writer goes back to it. All right? Can you imagine? This guy would not make many friends in the church. He is not saying what the masses want to hear. He's not saying, hey, just be good. He's saying, no, man, love Jesus faithfully. Be loyal to him. Your allegiance should be to Jesus. When it comes down to, will I follow the world or Jesus? Like, I'm the dude who died and rose again. That's who my allegiance is with, even above any friends in the world. And he goes back in Hebrews 10, and he says this. He says in verse 26, if we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. If anyone disregards Moses' law, he dies without mercy. Based on the testimony of just two or three, how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God? regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, that's real talk right there, man. I mean, that is like, that ain't candy coating things, okay? And you may be going, Keith, that is wrong. I don't believe in that. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Let's talk about it then. Don't run away. Don't go off somewhere else. Sit down and, hey, you want to know what? If it's not true, then let's change. But if it's true, man, let's make sure not to be scared into something. This is a reality of the relationship we're in with Jesus, which is this idea of doesn't it make sense for Jesus to redeem us and to die for us and to rise again? Doesn't it make sense that we would go, that's who I'm living for? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you are my Lord. Like, I, I am in subjection to you. Like, I do love you, right? But he says, here's the deal. And, and sometimes, you know, a lot of times we've been taught to read this in a way that, well, they never became Christians. They, they did. He describes this in both cases. So there's no doubt about it, okay? Is that meant for you to like, oh, gosh, I'm on such thin ice right now? Like, if one mistake, I'm falling into hell forever, Okay, could you imagine, again, married life? Could you imagine how miserable that would be? <laughs> oh, God, I hope I made the toast just right and the coffee perfect. Oh, if I don't, she's leaving me. No, 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 no. And understand something is in this relationship, God isn't one going, I'm out of here. We're the ones who are. Wow. We're the ones that say, no, I'm following someone else. There's a better one out there. Okay, that's what these sections are talking about here, okay? Mm -hmm is there is deep, 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 unbelievable security with the Holy Spirit following Jesus, Yeah. right? This talks about a timeline of deliberately sinning. This is a timeline of going, I'm living my own life. I'm doing what I want to do. Listen, you know what? Don't make me feel guilty. Don't judge me. I've decided this, and I'm going to do it, okay? And you can only go so far. And I don't know where that is. I don't know where that is. But in God's eyes, he's going, you're re-crucifying my son. You're trampling on the blood of my son, all right? That, that's how serious this is, okay? That's how deeply serious this is. And we have to remember not to be scared, but what a greater appreciation for Jesus, okay? This is him going, hey, man, just be close to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. We have to remember this, right? Is, um, is 
I got this. This is better, right? We can't forget Jesus. It's easy to read these and go, wow, this is so scary, and I'm probably going to hell, and all of these things, and I'm not good enough, and all these things. Yeah, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. We're not good enough, okay? That's not the point of this, right? The point of this is, will I follow Jesus faithfully, loyally, with allegiance? I don't let school get in the way. That doesn't mean again, right? Flunking out. But it means you're my guy. I do what you tell me to do. I behave the way you tell me, and I love people the way you tell me, okay? Yeah. Don't forget about Jesus, that he's able to sympathize. Isn't that great? Is that, no, you might be going, Keith, I have deliberately sinned for the past three weeks. I am in so much trouble, okay? Take a deep breath right here, okay? Isn't it kind of nice to go, it's nice to know this, that he isn't going, dude, you know what? You are such a, gosh, I can't wait to, yeah. No, no, no. His, come on, I can sympathize with you. Isn't it great that he was tested in every way? Isn't it great that Jesus, this high priest, was merciful to us? That means he gives mercy, right? Isn't it great that he's gentle? Isn't that great that we don't have to run from him, that we run to him? Okay, because that's our instinct. We don't want to read these hard things in the Bible because it makes us want to run away. And, and what they're saying is no, run to him. Yeah. Like your life may be that way. You may be deliberately sinning. You may be like not even like washed in the blood of Jesus. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Okay, it's very, very different. We're going to finish up here in Psalm 51 because if you want kind of a heartsy understanding of what does this look like to mess up and to be faithful still? What does it look like? Um, what does it sound like? What does it look like to mess up? Because I think here's what we do sometimes. Okay, I messed up. Well, I mean, don't make a big deal of it. I'm just going to move on. Again, think about in your relationships. Think about in your marriage. How would you take that if your spouse was like, okay, I know I did something wrong. Just stop bringing it up and we'll get on with it. How does that go at home? Right? How does it go? I mean, would you go, wow, I am so glad we're in a godly marriage. This is awesome. It's so different than everyone else's, right? No, that would be so calloused, right? Let's not be that way towards God. Let's not be that way towards Jesus. Let's not be that way towards the cross of going, okay, stop. Don't make me shame. Let me, no, no, no. Let me run to you and just be very real, okay? This is David. If you're not aware of this in Psalm 51, David wrote this little poem, and, and he had just gotten caught, okay? He had, um, you know, had joined up and had sex with Bathsheba, who was married to Uriah the Hittite, who was fighting in a war for Israel. And so to keep it a secret, David thought it'd be a great idea to have Uriah killed. Okay? So we have this guy who took another man's wife, right? And he killed the man. That's a rough, that boy, I'll tell you, can you imagine? I mean, that really should probably in some way make us all go, okay, yeah, let's talk now, okay? We can have this conversation. But he penned this. He wrote this. I want you to hear his heart, okay? Think about this. Verse, Psalm 51, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God. This is a guy running to God. Okay. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, okay? Yeah, dude, it's a shame that he was rebellious, but he owned it. Blot out my rebellion. Wash away my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin. I am conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil thing in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty. Even when I was born, 
man, I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Now, keep in mind of something. This is a poem, okay? He's, he's high, this is going way too far. He's going, listen, this is how bad I am. I was sinful before I was even conceived, okay? And he goes on, surely, verse 6, surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out my guilt. Create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation. Give me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshot, bloodshed, God. The God of my salvation and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't want a sacrifice or I would give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, and bulls will be offered on your altar. Okay? Keep reading that because that just shows the heart of a man who's like, you want to know what? I'm owning what I did. But God, please, I need you to be you. (laughs) Okay. I need you. I need all of this because I can't save myself. There isn't enough good things I can do. I've got your compassion. Like he's just going through all of this, but he doesn't say so I could go on my way. He says, you want to know what? I'm going to now praise you. And now what I'm going to do is instead of being quiet about it, I'm going to start teaching people how to not do what I did. Okay, I'm going to own it. I'm not going to hide it, right? I've got to go out there and start help telling people, like, let me teach you, don't do what I did, okay? This is such a repentant heart, right? This is, I'm not hiding. God, you are justified in whatever you do. Whatever you sentence me to, you're right. But please, please be merciful on me, okay? All right, this is the deal. This is the heart of a man who understands the need for Jesus now, right? Not just going, man, I don't want to be shamed, insecure, or anxious. This is, no, I want me and Jesus to be good. And I love him so much. And I just want to talk to him, and I got to learn from him. And whatever he says is fine, but I'm guilty, all right? We're going to talk more Wednesday. I, I want to leave this like this. Okay. Here, here's the reason why is because I think it's, this is one of those things where if I gave you, hey, go do these, do these two things, I think most of you go and do the two things. Okay. I'm curious, like just marinating in this for a little bit, like what happens? Because I guarantee you, you will know, like if you go back and really think and are really like conscious about the hardness of maybe your heart, maybe it's become too hard. Maybe it's one of those things where you're like, man, I've never followed Jesus. Okay. Um, I'm kind of curious. I'm, I, I just feel like I don't want to lead you too far into just practicals on this. Okay, We'll talk on Wednesday more about that. But I want you to just kind of sit on this because this is heavy stuff. This is real stuff. This is truth. This is truth coming from a God who loves us so much that he's like, no, I, I want you with me. Like, I want you with me. I have to warn you and urge you, don't do this because this could happen. 